everybody. Hope everybody's doing good. This fine day we're having here. Nice, hot, dry day. Need some rain pretty bad here in Indiana. This episode was a good one. Me and Dan sat down and talked about some news stuff that's going on in the hunting world right now or the outdoor world. We also got into a whole bunch of questions, a couple good ones that we hadn't got asked yet. So it was a really good show. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. If you haven't yet, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this episode on. That would help us greatly. Thank you, everybody, for the continued support. And this has been uh, an awesome thing we've built here. And I can't wait to uh, keep putting this stuff out for you guys. Before we get into the episode, I've got to talk to you about some of the things my partners have going on. Exodus has something cool going on. It's their eighth year anniversary, which is one of their biggest sales of the year. So starting today, May 19th, or anytime after May 19th, up until June 12th, or while supplies last, you can save 25% off their entire Exodus website. And they're doing something real cool for Before the Echo listeners. You guys use the code BTE at checkout. You get to save that 25% off. I've also left a link in the description. You guys just use that link. It'll automatically uh, go to their website, and that BTE code will automatically be put into your cart. So when you check out, you'll get that 25% discount. That's right, 25% off. That includes the Exodus Render, the, the brand-new Rival, which I got a, a handful of those now. I'm going to get them out and start using them. I heard some really, really good positive feedback on that the new camera they have out, any of their arrows, merch, anything, site-wide. You get their five-year no BS warranty, um, some of the best customer service in the industry, as well as just a great group of guys that uh, you can you can put your, your trust in as far as cameras go. Pretty cool, guys. If you haven't checked out Exodus, get on their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and use the code BTE to save 25% off. Also, want to give a shout out to Osseo Gear. It's a, a great option for white to hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable on the stand. Just go to asiogear.com get you some premium hunting clothing plus joe and those guys are are also great guys also gotta thank hunting beast gear makers of the best mobile stick and stand on the market in my opinion there's no other stand that gives you the weight to room ratio as the beast stand does and anybody that, that tries one out seems like they're extremely happy with it also, their stick is known as the, the best on the market. It also is kind of a trailblazer in the mobile hunting industry, one of the first truly mobile sticks on, on the market. If you guys haven't got your hands on hunting beast gear, you have to. Come to one of the shows, get your hands on it, borrow a buddy's, try it out. Then visit huntingbeastgear.com and get you a beast stand and sticks. And finally... I got to thank Stealth Outdoors. Your stealth strips, I put that on everything. Um, I just put it on some ladder stands I got out. Uh, 
the other day just to quiet them up a, a little bit. I, you can literally use it on any of your equipment. It really is something that hunters that want to take their gear to the next level can invest in and get you some, some stealth strips and silence your gear. Visit stealthoutdoors.com and get some stealth strips. Links to all my partners are in the description below. Hey, everybody. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's been a week or so since we've uh, actually been on live now. On I've been sitting vacation. at this chair the whole time waiting for you. <laughs> Is that what you, that what you do when we're not off just sitting in the chair? And yeah, I around just around stare at the camera. <laughs> Or no, 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 check, and the only one on that's on as much as me is uh, Zeke. Yeah, Zeke's staying. Yeah, staying sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now I went on a. We were on vacation last week. That's why we didn't do a, like an official live show. I had two pre-recorded ones up for everybody, um, which everybody seemed to like them both. So that was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, we, uh, me and Dan both uh, are always a little bit leery about telling people we're going to be gone for a full week beforehand so um that's why i didn't really mention it much uh beforehand but you guys if, that, if you were on the show you knew i was gone because i i commented on that that's why they were pre-recorded um but yeah i accidentally gave a one time dan was going on vacation and i just said it on the live show here before before right before he left for a long weekend but I don't think That's people not, that watch this would. I always got my kids around when I'm not here. They stay. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that's good. I still don't like people to know it. Right. Right. Yeah, I have uh, my parents next door and my uncle next door and stuff. But my grandma lives next door, too. But I'm pretty sure you could just walk into her house and she could be sitting in the recliner watching TV. And if you were sneaky enough, she wouldn't realize you took a bunch of stuff out of her house. <laughs> She can't see real well and she can't hear real well, but, um, anyway, what's been going on Dan? I haven't, I haven't talked to you. There's some text messages for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, uh, we had a crazy, uh, turkey hunt with Eric. Did you watch that? You're out of town. So you haven't even seen it. You did see it, huh? Yeah, I saw it. That was a pretty good hunt. It, uh, that was like the, the final hurrah. Um, Except for we did have uh, Ricky uh, um, got an opportunity at a really big bird, and uh, he missed. And I I was filming for him, and I couldn't get film. It kind of happened really quick. We were we saw a bird, uh, a really big bird on some public that hardly gets hunted, and uh, it was uh, heading towards the woods. So we snuck around the backside, and it's a long ways, and we ran all the way out there. And we got up to the woods thinking it was going to be a couple hundred yards out yet. And as I peeked through the, the uh, trees, I came eye to eye with this thing at um, like 40 or 50 yards. And I just froze thinking it saw me and said, stop. And it just went to start pecking the ground. So I knew it didn't see me. So I just slid to the hmm. ground and got against the tree. And all we had there was in some brush. So there was one spot where you could kind of see the turkey and one spot you couldn't. So obviously I put... Rick in a spot where you could kill it and see it. And I moved over to the other spot and I couldn't get the turkey on film. So I put the camera on Rick and I ended up inadvertently deleting the footage of, oh, me, crap. of him missing. But it would have been him missing a bird you never saw. 
on film. So yeah, been, all world. I did was since I couldn't get the turkey, I just put the camera on him. And it was kind of cool because he gets pretty emotional. He was like, it's it's like 50 yards. I'm like, you, you got range of 50 yards. We're going back and forth. He goes, I don't want to miss. And I'm like, if you put it on his head, you should hit him at 50, you know, into three and a half. And yeah, finally he took the shot and he said he rolled it. And then he got up and moved towards it. It jumped to its feet and flew off. And mm. So yeah. those things happen. Um, but the one with Eric was pretty cool because um, we decided to do a group hunt. Um, we were all going to get together and go in two cars and go find birds you know, maybe go into the woods a little bit, maybe go into trucks and keep communication when we found something kind of surrounded. And uh, um, Rick and Dave went one way and me and Eric went another. And while me and Eric were driving, Eric says, hey, there's a there's a hen crossing the road in front of us. And uh, I look up and I see it and another one go across the road. And as we're easing past, a gobbler comes walking up to the roadside and staring at the hens so we purposely just drive right past and over the hill and park because both sides of the road are public and then we run around in the grass because the the side they went to there's no reason for them it's just high grass i don't know what they're going to do over there right get away from the tom but uh we went and eased up and kept sneaking up on this bird and every time we call it sounded like he's right on that road yet but i oh when we went over the hill as soon as we went over the hill a truck comes flying up you guys hunting that tom two guys in camo and eric's like yeah, yeah we're that. and he goes okay and he drove, drove away <laughs> so then we go over there and we um we're calling and calling it's gobbling at the road and we just kept easing up because it wouldn't it seemed like it was right at the road and finally we got up to where we just crested this hill in some bushes so we could see down there and we couldn't see it anywhere and when we called again it answered further back so we knew it had uh stayed on that side of the road and we figured at that point we probably pushed the hens back across too. So then where it went, I knew it was kind of cornered, but there was another truck in the parking lot, but par trucks parked there for all kinds of things and they can do go all kinds of ways. There's a dog walking trail and stuff. But if a guy was hunting, he'd be over where those turkeys are. So um, I called Dave and Rick and I'm like, we're on one and I think we can kill this thing, but we got to make sure that, this car isn't a hunter you guys drive over check the car and if it's not you guys go on one side we go on the other way there's no way that turkey can get out the, the land is really narrow and it goes around as private and i know it really well that there's two spots and you go on one side or the other there's no way the turkey can get up well they say they're coming right over and we sit there for like a half an hour and they never <laughs> get there I call back and uh, Dave says, well, um, we're on our way, but, and it says where they're at and they're no further than where they were when I called them the first time where we stopped to look at this farm. Cause Rick wanted to look at this farm. So there's a birds up. I'm like, dude, do you guys want to kill this thing or not? Then they finally come over, check the, the truck. And then they, then they uh, leave. They don't want to go in there and hunt and they go after some other bird. And I'm like, okay, this one, I mean, if we do it right, we'll kill the damn thing. I mean, it's, it's in a yeah. spot where we, it so we just race across the road and set up on the thing where i think it's going to go and i call and it don't answer and it's been answered every time you call and i'm like i don't know that it's that far away so i call again no answer call again no answer and we're sitting there for a little bit and uh, nothing nothing and i just says to eric i says we both had tags but i really want to see eric shoot it because he didn't get one yet this year mm -hmm. so i was just going to film for him 
but I'm like, well, hell, if you can run the camera, just aim the camera at the field, stay against this tree, and I'm going to circle around and get on the other side of it. And that way it's got no way out. And maybe I can just bump it to you. I'll just walk in there slow, but at least it can't get out that way. I don't want to bump it hard because it'll fly or something. You know what I mean? Right. But if it goes his way, he can, there's, it's going to go right past him, you know? So I go in on the other side. And as soon as I go in over there, he says, he calls me and he says, it's goblin. I can hear it. And it's getting closer. I'm like, okay. Mm. So I go up to the woods edge, which is 200 yards from him. And I can hear it goblin and I can hear it goblin towards him. So I just barely get in the woods and I just sit back and, and I don't want to call or anything because I don't want to distract it from him. And I just sat there until I heard boom. <laughs> but, uh, it worked out. Uh, despite everything else, but yeah, uh, you got that one. And then the way that works, they've been moving so early because of the heat that as soon as that one was done, everything else was in the shade and gone. And yeah, so, but uh, so it was, a, that was a really good hunt. It's up right now. It's uh, yeah. What do we call that one? Um, I can look real quick. It's uh, it's Eric with his turkey is the thumbnail. Yeah. It's called. That might even be the last video. Nope. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. No way out. No way out. Yeah, because the bird had no way out. Yep. Yeah. There you go. That was a cool video. Yeah. Yep. Eric's a good dude too. So I'm oh, glad yeah. he got got one. Yeah, he was excited. You, Did you see him when yeah. he shot it? He oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Uh, yep. Yep. I uh, I don't know. I don't have any cool stories. I. We were just on a, other than sitting on the beach a little bit and eating out a whole, eating a bunch of ice cream. I think we ate ice cream every day while we were on vacation. So that was my excitement for the week. Mm. Huck, Huck, Huck's a big fan of strawberry ice cream. He got it every time we went to this little, there's a little ice cream shop right outside our uh, condo. We went there every evening and he got strawberry ice cream every single time. It's pretty funny. Me and Jamie went down the shop. and he was, uh, casting a spinner a big like yep. northern spinner and his very first cast he no more than hits the water and like the first reel and he he's says he's snagged and he's pulling the rod and he goes it's kind of pulling back i think maybe there's a fish on there i'm like you'd know if there's a fish on there and he's like no i think i think there's something on it he goes check it out once so i take the rod from him and you just kind of feel it pulsing and then all of a sudden just mm -hmm. starts pulling drag. And I'm like, yeah, you got a fish, dude. And I hand him the rod back. And whatever he had on there, he had on for about 15 minutes. And he never moved it. It just kept, it pulled, it would pull drag real fast for a couple minutes. But it just swam wherever it wanted. And he couldn't stop it or turn it around. And uh, um, finally the hook, the hook pulled out and uh, it got off. I have to think he snagged the carp. Even yeah, though it's really hard to snag anything with a spinner. Right. But, uh, I mean, it would have had to have been one hell of a pike. Yeah. That big. I, I have to think it was a carp. But uh, that was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Did you guys catch anything else? Just some small bass. Yeah. We got out of yeah. there kind of fast. There was uh, some 60-year-old woman down there uh, drinking booze and smoking pot. Oh, really? <laughs> we ended up just leaving. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I keep thinking in my head I want to go fishing, but then I never, I never do. Um, just go catch a mess of crappie and bluegill or something like that. 
I, I saw Jacob went, I don't know if he went bow fishing or just fishing, fishing, caught a bunch of carp. Oh, uh, cool. But, nope, not. He's been quiet there. lately. I haven't heard much from Jacob lately. No. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook or something, I think. Mm. Um, but anyway, you go, you want to talk about some of these uh, news articles that we got going on tonight? Sounds good. Let's see here. Let me share my screen. All right. Let's get rid of this. We'll do this first one. Whoops. So we, we covered this a while back um, when it kind of first started happening. It was this corner crossing issue that was um, happening in, in a Wyoming to some guys that lived in Missouri. Uh, essentially went out there elk hunting and they hopped a corner and the owner of this elk mountain ranch uh, was trying to sue the, the four hunters for an ungodly amount. There's a lot more information that came out on it after it was done. Yeah, he tried to sue them for millions. Seven million dollars. He said they did he he they did seven million dollars worth of damage on his property and devalued it that much. Not damage on his property. He they devalued it. De- by, yeah, by, devalued uh, it. Uh, hunting his property um and ruining the hunting. Yeah, yeah. I like these guys. Look at just that. A, Look at that just <laughs> a little uh um side note here that landowner is a billionaire i didn't say yeah. million billionaire yeah so yeah. he's filthy rich and he thinks he can just own that piece of public land in my opinion i think you're right i think he thinks he owns the world you know probably right. um but yeah they, i love this look at this look at this ladder they welded up day and it's like they almost made it just perfectly for this right uh, corner here I think and, if you uh, ask me, there should be a law that you can't make, you can't even block that corner. I if the agree. land touches and you can walk across, you should be able to walk across. I, I do think not think that the people who originally checkerboarded that ever thought that somebody would be able to um, lock people out of the public pieces. I don't think they believe that. I think that's why they checkerboarded it. I, I completely agree with you. I think they are, I think people are, the landowners are taking advantage of it. It's what's, what's happening. And I just can't imagine being the type of person that would own that land and have it like that much public land behind you and, and like keeping people out of it in that manner, you know, to where you're going to sue them if they, if they try to go onto that public land that they themselves own, you know, some people are greedy. Um, oh yeah. I know. We, we got know. a piece of public property in, um, in Sullivan, um, that, um, I don't know if it still shows it, but it showed a legal access. Um, not necessarily what you call legal access, but there's city land that connected to the public land. So guys were taking that city land and walking the thin stretch that the city owned as an access mm-hmm. public land and hunting it. And the people that owned the land around the outside of that went after them and they must have a lot of pull because they got the DNR and the cops to go after them and got people cited and now they got no trespasses signs there on the city property to access that spot. Mm. I mean, that's just more of that. I think if it's public land, you should be able to use it. And it kind of ticked me off that the DNR didn't sell that piece of public land, but then sold the piece of public land that we have access to and said, well, right. well we had to sell something. And I'm like, well, the, the mandate was that they're supposed to sell anything that was, uh, 
we had a mandate that was they had to sell um, landlocked properties. For whatever reason, they're not selling that piece. And even though it has an access, they're blocking the access. I think yeah. it has to do with yeah, a little bit. the land beside it and around it. Right, right. Yeah. I know the the article mentioned that, you know, the hunter's attorney is pretty certain that they're it'll um you're gonna ex expect an appeal on this, but yeah. sounds like you, you just a, think about what it's costing those guys to fight a, a seven million dollar case from this billionaire. Yeah. I mean I know. what they're yeah. doing is they're taking one for the team. But I hope they got a uh, GoFundMe and that people are chipping in because really what they're doing um, for public land hunting is is they should go down in yep. history books as heroes. Yeah, if opinion. I remember, I think I think BHA out there raised a bunch of money for them. Mm. I believe um, they ought to counter sue that landowner for all the harassment they've gotten out of. This. Yeah, I know. I I almost think that there should be an easement between the checkered board pieces Correct. where you're you, you got so much uh you know area whether it be 100 yards or whatever to to get over yeah, to the other i don't know if that's legal the dnr ought to uh, build a step ladder across the property there yeah then you know exactly where you're supposed to be right. or put a put some type of a guidance or fence of some sort not a fence but like post or something to where you can stay between these posts and you're on um you're legal then uh yeah. i don't know it's crazy that I mean, it's a big win for public land hunters uh, in Wyoming for sure. It doesn't necessarily mean anything for other states, other than it kind of set a precedent. You know, hopefully that. Hopefully this well, well, right. To, so more people might get the the balls in their states to do yeah. the same thing, and then take it to court. Right. 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 We should find so out that was, um, where this guy got his billions of dollars from, what business he owns, and uh, pull a Budweiser on him. <laughs> yeah right right i don't who knows obviously um it's a it's an it's a hunting ranch so he probably is into hunting and i don't know and i think this is the kind of crap that like that matt ranella it gets fed up with steve ranella's uh brother that he's all up in arms about everything is like this kind of stuff that happens to to hunters where we're just trying to we're just trying to do some Guys just trying to do some elk hunting, you know, and all of a sudden they're in court getting sued for seven million dollars because some jack wagon with too much money, you know, right. can't stand someone being in the same air for four seconds. That hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He's breathing, you know. Right. Um, I don't know. Those are the those type of people drive me crazy that think they're better than everybody else. I ran, uh, we were in South Carolina and I was in a, Huck was kind of, he was being kind of ornery. We'd been in the car for like nine hours and, and, uh, we'd stopped at this, I don't know where we were, can't remember where we were, but to eat or something. And I, the freaking parking spots were real tiny, you know? And so I had to, uh, I had to like pull in and then I kind of backed out to like straighten the car up, you know, and some middle-aged prissy woman, 
like was walking down the uh, parking lot and she had to stop for like three seconds so I could back up and pull back in straight. And she like rolled her eyes at me and was like doing this. And I'm like, are you so freaking good that you can't wait for four seconds for me to straighten my car up? Like, God. Everybody's got mad at you. Yeah, I know. It's, it was probably this guy's wife. It never fails. Every time I have somebody like a road rage at me. Yeah. You know, whipping the bird and screaming. The ones that get just irate. Yeah. Why they always got to coexist bumper sticker <laughs> or just your piece of can. I, uh, I wonder, like I was, I like stared at her for a minute and like almost held her up more, you know? And, yeah. uh, I almost wanted to roll my window down and be like, is, is everything all right? Like, is your life that bad where you have to get mad about me, you know, straightening my car up? You know, yeah. it's like, God, um, probably don't, probably don't want to pull that trigger on a, uh, uh, liberal coexister. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, that was, that was one new story. We wanted to update everybody on. And there was another one here. Dan sent me this one. I think a, a few other people actually sent, sent it to me too. Gary sent it to me as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Phone on my newsfeed. Yeah. So there was this, uh, in Yellowstone, this guy, I assume it's this fella right here. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced for harassing uh, Yellowstone, a bison calf. Um, sounds like the herd crossed this river right here, and the and the and the calf got left behind. And he was like kind of shooting it up the um, up to the road, and it was walking down the middle of the road and everything else. The article said that uh, there was pictures of him pushing its butt to get it up the hill. He yeah. was trying to help it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What did he get a fine? He got fined five hundred dollars and then five hundred dollar community service payment to the Yellowstone Forever Wildlife Protection Fund. But yeah, that's what I imagine. This feller here was probably just trying to, you know. Yeah, they 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 claimed <laughs> yeah. they claimed they had to euthanize the 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 calf. Yeah, because he humanized it, and then it was just running up to people jolly, which I don't buy. Yeah. I work with animals a lot. I don't buy that one bit that that one guy pushing its butt up the hill did that. I think it's a little bit of an overreach because they don't want people messing with the wildlife. So they're using this guy as an example when really he did nothing really wrong. He tried to help. It might have been a good moment for them to use it as an education thing to just say, hey, don't don't touch the wildlife. Um, yeah. You, you know, um, what would they have done? If they if they got a call that that calf was stuck there, and it couldn't get up the hill, and the herd has had left, I would be willing to bet uh, twenty bucks they came out there and they pushed its butt up the hill. Honestly, yeah. I mean, even if something gets a little humanized, it's easy to unhumanize it with some you know um, rubber bullets or something. Um, that's just ridiculous. It, it, it is. Um, yeah. You, you know, um, maybe I got a little chip on my shoulder because. When I was a kid, I think I was nine or 10 years old, and uh, I was working for my neighbor, the farmer, and we had to bale hay. And I ran the crew. I got other kids to come help. And uh, mm-hmm. we were running the tractor through the field and getting the last bales, and it was getting, and it was after dark. Or no, it was, I take that back. It was during the day. And, um, 
a uh, uh, doe and a fawn came across the road and the doe got clipped by a car and they kept going mm. and uh, the doe kept running, ran off and the fawn was trying to keep up with it and stopped in the middle of the hay field and just sat there. And when it got dark and we were done with the hay, we kept watching this thing the whole time and it, we'd leave for a long time, come back and it was still there. And after dark, um, like it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, um, me and the farmer went over with his uh, Jeep and we spotlighted it and the, the fawn was still there with no doe anywhere. And you could see through the fields for like a mile and the, yeah. the doe was nowhere in sight. We don't know if it was dead from the car or whatever. And it was surrounded by coyotes. And uh, he says, oh, we can't leave this thing here. We got to do something. And he had a little kid in his house and a dog. And he's like, can you just take that over to your house? And in the morning, we'll call the DNR. I said, sure. So I went over and got it. And I carried it across the road. And somebody had seen me, like in a car. or I, I have no idea, but somebody had seen me. So I go to the house. And in the morning, we're supposed to call the DNR. The, the farmer said he was going to. So I wake up. Uh, you know, like nine o'clock in the morning or something, it's, it's daylight. Somebody pounding on the door and my mom says, Hey, there's a, a game warden here. So I'm like, Oh yeah. The farmer probably called him to get the fawn. So I go yeah. to the door. I'm like, you, you here for the fawn? He goes, yeah. So I give him the fawn. He's like, well, you're going to be cited for animal harassment. And I'm like, uh, what? And he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, you just went over and you can't have a fawn for a pet. And I'm like, it's not a pet. I said, didn't the farmer call you? He goes, nobody called. He says, I had a complaint that you took this thing. You know, somebody saw you carry it across the road. And I'm like, well, you need to talk to the farmer because this is what happened. And I told him the story. And he said, if the farmer's story matches yours, he says, I'm going to go over there right now. He says, you won't get a ticket. If it doesn't, you're getting a ticket. And he leaves. So later that day, I stopped by the farm and I talked to the farmer. And he says he was home all day. And that guy, the warden never came over. So like a week goes by and I get a fine in the mail for $200, mm. which if you're talking back in the seventies, that's a lot of money, especially yeah, for, right. yeah, yeah. um, that, that'd be the equivalent of like maybe $750 now. I mean, um, so yeah, right. the farmer says, well, screw that. We're taking this to court. He goes, I'll go with you. So we went to court and, uh, um, the judge calls us up there and he, he asked, the. uh, the warden and they had like a lawyer guy. I don't know if it's somebody from the DNR or it's an actual lawyer, but they had a guy representing the, the, the warden and they, they said their case. And then they, uh, then they asked for what happened out of me. And uh, I started explaining it. And remember I'm like nine or 10 years old. And I said, uh, right. well, this is what happened. I told them the story and then the farmer would butt in and tell his side of the story. And then I said, uh, and he said that he would, and the guy just starts screaming at me right in the courtroom. You don't point a finger at me. And I'm like, telling a story. You know, I have to point out the person. You know, he's just screaming at me. Yeah. And the, the judge says, calm down here. You guys take your case out in the hallway, come to a reasonable conclusion and come back and see me. So we go out in the hallway and he goes, here's the deal. You pay your fine and that's it. I'm not giving you any breaks. You know, you can't just take fawns out of the wild. So we go back in there and the judge says, well, did you guys come to a conclusion? I says, he said he won't budge an inch. That's what, what he wants. And the judge says, well, I kind of commend you for trying to help the wildlife and stuff. He goes, yeah, it's against the law. 
He says, well, I don't know that I'd have done anything different. And he says, uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought the farmer because otherwise I might not believe your story. And uh, I gave him the phone numbers of all the kids that were there working too when this went on too. And uh, yeah. I apparently had called some of them. And uh, the judge said, unfortunately, I don't know why this guy has such a chip on his shoulder. He says, but unfortunately, the law is the law. And if he wants to press the issue, I have to press the issue. You broke the law. You can't harass the animals. I guess you have to let the coyotes eat it. He goes, they got to eat too, I guess. And uh, he goes, but I'd have probably done the same thing, fine or not. And he said, but uh, even though I have to give you, I have to find you guilty, it's up to me to find the, to decide to find. He goes, no, the lowest I can make it is $5. And he says, and that's what I'm charging you, $5. Oh, nice. And the farmer said, I'll pay that. Yeah. <laughs> and that warden was livid. I mean, it's. Oh, good. Yeah. Not everybody, you know, just because he's a warden doesn't mean he's a good guy. There's not. Not everybody in law enforcement is good, unfortunately, but there's bad yeah. people everywhere in the world, you know? Yeah. Most people are good. I mean, most wardens or cops or whatever will give you good judgment if you're a good person to look at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you still got to follow laws, but I mean, they sure. don't have to be total yeah. wieners, right? Right. If you're trying to do something yeah. honest and. Yeah. And I think in this case, that guy was trying to help that uh, calf. And I don't, I don't think he should have been treated the way he was right yeah you can even see like the look on his face he uh in that little in the picture here in the middle he just seems like he's kind of worried about it and trying to uh get it up to to safety or keep it from drowning in the river or whatever he's trying to do i don't think he was doing anything um, how many how many wrong. yellowstone videos and pictures do we have to see of people taking selfies with dangerous bull elks and yeah right taking selfies going over and and they're not getting fined there's just a warning sign that you're recommended not to do that. But this guy tries to save an animal. Yeah. Look at him, you know? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, if he did that anywhere other than Yellowstone, nobody'd care. They'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And like, I wonder if what would happen if they just found it um, on their own. You know, would they have uh, rescued it and, and rehabilitated it? And done know, the all same that thing. Stuff it and... went over there and pushed its butt up the hill. I guarantee it. I mean, how many rescues yeah. have you seen where they, you know, people call the DNR or the police because a deer's drowning or something? You see it all the time. I mean, we've played videos of that yep. ourselves. They'll go out there, get the yeah. animal and stuff, put it on the shore, try to reunite it and stuff. I mean, but, but you know, when somebody else does it, well, they're doing my job. They better not do that. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, if he was taking it uh, and he was going to take it home and cut steaks out of it or make it a yard pet, okay, give him a fine. But obviously, yeah. and they don't even yeah. they don't even deny it. Obviously, he had good intentions. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's um, a. I don't think people should be uh, cited for good if they have if they legitimately have good intentions and think that they're not breaking the law. I think right. that's a good learning opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then like it's a typical he headline too. Is like man sentenced for harassing Yellowstone bison calf, and it kind of that kind of in my mind when I before I read the article, I was like, "Golly, what was he doing to it?" You know, was right. he doing something bad to it, or like throwing rocks at it, or something? You know, it's like no, no, he's just trying to get it to safety. It sounds like, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, who knows what what would have happened if he just let it let it go? I mean, but um, it probably would just drown in the river, honestly you know 
or got hit in the hit on the road anyway. Um, those are the kind of the two. And the thing is, too, I mean, it, they, they said that they had to euthanize it because of this, because it started running up the vehicles and looking to people for help. However, if he pushed his butt up the hill and it didn't find mom, obviously it needed help and mom wasn't around. Yeah. Right. Right. Otherwise, it would have ran to mom when it got up there. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I could, I could probably see him getting uh, more upset about if this was like a cub or something, you know, that he was dealing with, you know, but that calf and going to hurt him or anything, you know? And like you said, they're probably just trying to make a example out of him. Buffalo's um, just a prairie cow. Right. Right. Well, we were in uh Yellowstone. Where were we at? Was it Yellowstone? Anyway, we were somewhere where there was bison and they pretty well don't care. I mean, they're, it is like cattle just walking around out there. I mean, we got up in the morning, walk out of the tent. There was one like just feeding like 30 yards from our without a care in the world, you know, right. right down the road, they're just eating in the ditch and you can stop and watch them eat. And they don't, they don't even look up at you. Really. Um, something else I was going to do tonight is announce the Osseo gear giveaway winner. Um, we haven't had a live since June 1st when that kind of went away. And I, before the show here, I did the, the random, uh, subscriber picker. And I made sure they were uh, subscribed to the Hunting Beast too. And the winner was Mike Mitchell. I reached out to him already, so hopefully, hopefully he gets my um, my message and gets back to me. If he doesn't by Thursday, we'll pick a different one. But so congratulations, congratulations, Mike. I think I've seen him on here from time to time. I don't know if he's on here tonight, but if you are, Mike, just uh, shoot me an email. You'll see the the message on your YouTube. So. Um, Congrats, Mike. I'm a little ticked that I didn't win, but <laughs> you're runner up. You're runner up. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll do another giveaway here here soon again. So you should get uh, uh, Joe Miles will uh, probably send it to me. He said, and then I'll send it on on to you. Or I don't know how we'll do. It. I got to get your sizing and stuff, Mike. Um, but yeah, you'll get all those. Uh, early season garments from Osseo gear. It's about a $320 value or something like that. So congrats, man. Thanks for subscribing to both the channels and all that too. I think Mike's been subscribed for a while, according to YouTube, it looked like. So it's nice that someone that's uh, been around for a while won it. Um, also, if you guys have any questions tonight, just leave them in the comment section. We'll probably get, get to um, quite a few questions tonight. Uh, let's see here. You want to get some questions, Dan, or sure. anything else you want to talk talk about? I think um, uh, you... maybe offline we'll talk about how to give the, give my bow away. Yep. If you're wanting to do that, that's up to you. It's not my bow. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's give it away. <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, Travis, um, Travis Workman, thanks for joining the the membership program. You guys notice if you haven't weren't on the last show or the last live we did, we started uh, we activated the membership program here. So if you guys see um, people in green or using some funny emojis, that's the the membership program. You're more than welcome to join. Doesn't really change anything other than you can 
um, use some cool stuff like Zeke does and photo Bob and all that, Tim, um, Gary's on tonight. Gary is, uh, he's not a member. Can you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Gary's been hitting up. Uh, he's been scouting pretty hard lately. I've, he's been all over the uh, public land around his house. Uh, Russell was asking Dan if you got your Iowa tag applied for, and if you if you did, what zone are you going to? Uh, yeah, I uh, I am applied. I'm in. Um, I think the governor tags uh, good statewide, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I applied for zone five. I didn't take the governor's tag. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> got my. Uh, I did draw Kansas. Did which you? isn't a surprise. I mean, it uh, it usually just takes one point for the area I'm going. But mm. um, all right, here's a here's a good one. Paul asked us, "What's the biggest mistake or regret you have made in deer hunting?" Mm. I don't know if I have many. Like, like if you're just talking about like deer hunting, like regrets per se. Like, you know, I don't. I mean, all, all the, I've made, you know, a million and a half mistakes, but they're all, you know, were probably essential for learning and whatnot. Um, My biggest regrets are probably deer I passed. Yeah. I can think of a um, really wide four-pointer. And when I say four-pointer, I mean a mature deer that just had a fork on both sides, but yeah, this is like five inches like 20 inches wide, just a monster four pointer that, uh, I was probably about 18 or 20 and, uh, wanted to get a real high scoring buck and, uh, ended up shooting 125 inch buck or something like that, or, you know, just barely Pope and young. And, uh, I look back, uh, I, I'd like to have shot that mature buck. I think, uh, you, you know, my regrets go into, um, are more in the the line of, you know, if I don't work hard enough or if I didn't go far enough or if I left the hunt early, those are my regrets. Um, Yeah. I think if I give it my all, I never regret anything. Or um, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's at least given everything a full chance. Then the way it lays out is the way it lays out. It's not a regret. A regret is not going through with something, not, not going through yeah. your plans or chickening out on something or you know not going not hard the storm or yeah or whatever i think uh for me I, I think about that stuff all the time i kind of try and push through that stuff and i kind of actually in some morbid way enjoy it it's kind of like a goal and you accomplish it yeah when i was in uh i was probably around the same age i was 18 or 20 i can't remember now but um i vividly remember uh on a deer drive, I had a really big, uh, really big buck come into me. I had a muzzler's muzzleloader season and he was like 40 yards of the muzzleloader. And I, I just, I, it was like the shot I have rushed the most in my life. And I hit that deer somewhere. I don't know where I hit it at, but he was standing there broadside looking back at the driver. And I don't know what I did. I just rushed everything. I hit him, but I must've hit him, you know, way back or something. 
and we never found him. And I, that's, that's like my only deer that really haunts me, uh, to this day that like, I really screwed up, you know? Um, yeah. but that was, that's probably I've my never, biggest, you know, you know, literally I've never regretted the ones I've wounded. Yeah. And that might sound bad, but at least I gave it a shot. You know, if yeah. I did something wrong or if I felt I did, I, you know, if I felt I took a pissy shot, mm -hmm. you know, I would feel bad about it. But I believe every deer I ever shot at, I fully believed I was going to kill. Yeah. And I was justified in shooting it because of that. Right. Um, so I don't regret it for that reason. But uh, my regrets are more in the stuff I didn't do, that I didn't accomplish, that I didn't go after. I mean, it's unfortunate that you wound something. It bothers you that you wound something, but it's not a regret right. to me. Not unless I did something to cause that wound other than, you know, that I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the only uh, deer I've wounded that I really like. That one stuck with me for whatever reason. It was probably just it was, it was a great big deer, you know, and all that. Um, but that's, I guess if I had to pick something, that's probably what I would tell you. This is a good question that nobody's ever actually uh, asked here. It, it's a two-parter. He, he put it in two parts, but Dirty Diaper 17, he said, I got, he has my stepbrother, and brother into hunting two years ago. So he got a couple guys into hunting a couple years ago. He said he's been in all the scouting, all the trail cam hunt, hanging, tree stand placing, you know, paying attention to the weather for them. Second part, it's pretty much just setting them in a tree and having them shoot at deer. He said, at what point do you take them off the nipple and make them scout and find their own spots because they are shooting at and missing <laughs> and injuring all my deer? Well, um, you know, you remember back when you asked them if they want to go hunting, careful what you ask for. Yeah. Uh, that's the, your average hunter. Most people just want to go out and kill deer. Yeah. I mean, um, I think if I said, Hey, anybody want to go hunting? I'd have a million takers like at my work or <laughs> family party or something. But I don't think many of them would really want to do what I do. They just want to reap the rewards. And I can't say I blame those guys for that. They're probably just having fun. Um, if it's annoying to you, I'll make it known. If it's not, if you're okay with it, it's just take them hunting when you can or when you want to and enjoy yourself when you're not. I mean, hunting isn't the same for everybody. Some people don't enjoy the work part of it. Um, and, and that's kind of funny because I always thought that that was kind of like part of it. That's part of the enjoyment, but it's not to everybody everybody hunting is different i can remember a friend of mine that i used to hunt with that uh he would always kind of like rub me a little wrong about the way he would say stuff like he would brag about how he he got his buck in 15 minutes of the season or something you know and how easy it was and how all he had to do is walk down to such and such tree and shoot and and if that happened to me you wouldn't probably even hear the story you you know the story for me is usually the hardship i went through to get there not the ease of it but to him, it was to prove that he could. He was so good that he could do it so easy. And I'm not saying it's bad. It was just different. It wasn't me. Right. You know, everybody is different. And accept them or don't accept them. I mean, I don't think I would tell them they have to scout. I'd just be like, you know, you got to draw lines for yourself. I mean, if you're taking them to your property and stuff, maybe they got to get better at shooting. Maybe they get one shot. Maybe they wound one. Maybe you got to make some rules. Maybe not. Yeah. That's really not for us to decide. Yeah. It seems like to me, like, and 
it sounds like they've only been doing it for two years. Guys like that that have that want you to do everything for them, they end up losing interest anyway as soon as they don't start having success or something. Um, but I, I understand your your frustrations for for sure. Um, but I think the guys that t- like are going to stick with it and be a long term, not a problem, but like a long term hunting, a hunter will like get there on their own anyway, where they want to do things on their own and all that. But, um, at least that's been my experience. People that, people that get into it, end up getting into it, going all in. Um, I don't know. I know a lot of guys that just like to go out for a weekend. Once yeah. Or but it, it sounds like this guy's like, to me, I mean, I, I wouldn't think he'd be, compl- I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't think he'd be complaining about it. If it was just like opening weekend, they go out with him. It sounds like maybe they're, uh, always messing around or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we helped him at all, but <laughs> all right, let's see here. D sizzle asks, would you rather hunt multiple small parcels like 20 acres ish or one large par- parcel, one to 200 acres? Hmm. I thought you said large parcel. Two hundred is a pretty yeah. small parcel. I, I, uh, I would rather stay away from 20-ish acre parcels. I'd rather they at least are around 100 or 200 acres. I mean, you shoot one on 20 acres, it's most likely going to get off that property before you can even find it. Um, with that said, I've hunted 20-acre properties, and I've had luck on them. I wouldn't say 20, um, but I can think of one acre acreage I hunted that was 24 acres that was incredible. Mm-hmm. But nobody else hunted it because it was so hard to access but it was 24 acres and because nobody hunted it, the DNR sold it. So I no longer have that, but it was a really good spot. Yeah. But for the most part, um, I'm hunting the deer where they live and I don't care how much acreage there is, but usually the bigger spots have the spots that are missed by people. Now there's a catch 22 there because, um, in some areas when spots get really big, they get really pounded to get really well known to get advertised and then they get more pressure mm-hmm. there's this there's kind of a somewhere in between kind of thing i mean i say that some places because i know i get down by josh and there's a lot of large parcels that i don't think mm-hmm. get much pressure at all but when you get up by where i'm at i mean like um vernon marsh or rome pond or Horicon marsh i mean those are advertised you ask the dnr i'm coming to the state where should i hunt they'll, they'll point at those properties because yeah. they got parking lots and access and and toilets for you and stuff because they think that's what people need and those places will just get pounded with people but i'm just looking for the little piece where that deer lives it does not matter how many acres it is it matters can it hold a real big buck and is it overlooked it's harder to find an overlooked piece of 40 acres than it mm-hmm. is a 400 because mm-hmm. the 40 acres if somebody goes and scouts that they're probably going to look at every inch mm-hmm. But if they look at 400, they're going to miss some spots because their mind is programmed to look for certain things. So I'm usually going to find what I'm looking for on larger properties. Yeah. You. Um, I would probably tend to agree with you. The only thing I was going to say about uh, what's nice about having, you know, many small properties is you can kind of, um, you know, figure them out quick and move to the next one if you. If they're, you know, dead, if one's dead, go to the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one. Whereas, you know, I mean, one to 200 acres isn't real big either. But if he was talking about 
1,000 to 2,000 acres, then you could uh, you could definitely find more overlooked spots than in in the small little properties. Um, and it also about, go ahead. Another thing about the uh, smaller properties is it's really hard to hunt down a particular deer. I mean, you might have a spot where you can kill a nice deer. Right. Well, me particularly, I like to hunt certain deer so that I'm on to mature animals. Yeah. And if you got 20 acres, I mean, you might have one little bedding area, one little spot, right. one little hunt you can get in there. And then, and then what do you do? Yeah. We're on a bigger property. I can keep hopping around and hunt down a big animal. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd hunt both of them if I were you. Be sizzle. Hunt them all. <laughs> Zeke has a good idea. He says for your, if I'm assuming he's talking about your bow giveaway, you should pick 10 names and then pin them to the target. And the closest name to Dan's arrow wins the bow and then video it. Yeah. We would draw 10 names out of the names and then do that. Yeah. That's what he meant. We could do more than 10, though. We could probably do like, we could you probably do. put like 100 of them on a piece of paper. Yeah. And put it on shoot the target and whichever name the arrow yeah. hits. Just copy and paste a bunch of them on a eight by ten sheet of paper. Yeah, that, that's actually I like that idea. I do too. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. You could just zoom in on the camera in on the piece of paper and shoot your bow and yeah, we could just print it print it with all the names on it. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Zeke. Um, maybe you'll see that here at the end of the the month or whenever Dan decides to give it away. <laughs> like all right. That. Yeah, that's a good idea. Travis, thanks for joining the membership, man. He had a question. It's like for me, he says, if I come to Ohio to hunt this year, would you be interested in having a local join you and give you a few tips on how to hunt like a beast? Maybe. Maybe. Depends on uh, where you live and all that kind of stuff, Travis. Uh, I'm not opposed to hunting with someone, though. All right. Philip asked, Philip the Wise asked, Dana, are you going to do any bow fishing or regular fishing before season starts? What's that? Are you going to do any fishing or bow fishing before season starts? Yeah, I've done a little already, um, but not much. Uh, I'm planning on getting out and doing a little, little bit of bow, bow fishing. It's kind of hard to find the time, but me and Eric have been wanting to get out and do that a little bit. Um, there's some carp running right now, so I, I got to get on that. I, I hunt a little different, obviously, if you've seen the bow fishing video that we just put up. Did you? We haven't talked since we put that up, did we? I don't think so. Nope. No, no, no. Carpo the Bell? Carp, carp, yeah, the Taco Bell or whatever it's called. The Carpo Bell. Carpo Bell, yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually a pretty damn good video. Did you watch yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't do carp fishing like other people i can't stand being in a boat um i like going in after them. yeah so, uh, i'm wading through swamps yeah through flooded timber um going through rapids uh with bows and stuff and i mean it's just that video is really cool i mean and uh i think we we were going to name that video 101 ways to kill a carp because we kill them in there with slingshots mm -hmm. and spears and right and catch them <laughs> yeah and grenades and missile launchers but uh i noticed how many times i refer to eating carpos that i thought that that'd be a good yeah video. yeah it was That's a good video yeah we, yeah we plan on uh, getting out and doing some carp shooting yep 
might even do like a, um, a group um if i can swing it and find the time a group um charter fishing on lake michigan i was thinking about uh, inviting you up maybe uh uh take eric and uh the guys that film with us and uh just go for like four or five hours or something and uh, catch some salmon those charters are pretty fun yeah that'd be yeah they're not too expensive either are they no i'd, I'd pay for it for all this crap you guys do for me yeah that'd be fun um maybe we do a little scouting too one day or something like yeah a group scout or um i liked your guys's uh i didn't mention it while you're telling the story but uh your team turkey hunt um yeah. it almost felt like a like a, a like a turkey drive or something you guys were putting on but yeah it's a very unique way of going about turkey hunting you know yep all right uh stan he had a question he said that uh that pick of that huge buck you you showed a uh pick of uh last late season did you find him and is he killable yes <laughs> jacob jacob someone or did jacob find the shed to it too jacob found one of the sheds but not from last year he found a shed from the year before and uh i did do some scouting i found where that thing's living where it's coming from i backtracked it from where i was getting pictures and from where i know a neighbor was getting pictures and stuff and i got where he's living where he's moving how he's accessing coming through and if he's on the same plan this year as he was last year i should be on him i actually think he wasn't that old of a deer last year too because he was new to the area so i don't think he was that big the year before that he was that noticeable um and just if you're old the pictures you can see bumps where the um two two more points are coming in so he might be a 12 frame this year so um i was out uh, a lot of inches i was out looking the other day and i did see um pretty good tracks on the trails coming out of that bedding area where he was early season last year where i think he was he's summering so I think he might be in there now. So I am going to put out a camera pretty soon, but I might lay a little low on how much I talk about that buck. Sure. I might talk more about it when I shoot him. Yeah. I do got a very aggressive neighbor that uh, might even be watching right now. <laughs> so I'm kind of quiet about uh, how much I say. Yeah. I uh, I think uh, if you watch the hunting beast, you know about it a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, right. All right. Robert asked, do we ever do all day sits? Um, I, yeah, I've only done like, I'll, I'll sit there all day and just eat donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I don't usually make it all day. I usually end up getting down around 1130 or so and repositioning or something. But the whole idea um, of all day sits is kind of, uh, I hate to say this too loudly because I'll get some heat, but stupid. You you hunt where deer move at certain times. So, um, you, you know, like uh, in the mornings in hill country, you see them low. In the evenings, you see them high if you're hunting funnels. Um, I like to, I know that they go back to bedding in the morning. And then they get up later in the morning and they move again. So I like to get down okay. towards that bedding where they're going to go to in the morning. You know, then I get, you know, um, Later in the morning, I'll go to the cruise areas 
in the evenings, I'll go back towards the bedding, you know, the mature buck bedding, uh, Jason to doe bedding. So um, if I'm going to hunt all day, I'm going to move a few times, generally. It's not too often I'd sit the same spot all day. The only way I would sit the same spot all day is if it's a spot where it's really difficult to get into. Yeah. And I can get into there in the cover of darkness. But if I try getting down, I'm going to screw it. Then I might sit there all day thinking I have an evening shot if I stay the whole day. But otherwise, I don't. Yeah. I, uh, I've said all day a few times, like I said, but I don't yeah, me know. too. But there's it's special circumstances. That's rough. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see here. We hire uh, Zeke to be our consultant on good ideas for things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I saw a video with uh, Zeke today. Um, yeah. Before. Yeah, they put a put a video I up. I haven't been watching his video. Zeke's first tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to see All some right. more videos, uh, Zeke has got some. All right. Cheney Farms asks: When hunting beaver ponds, would you walk the whole edge or go straight to the island first? Hunting or scouting? Hmm. I don't know. Probably hunting. I'm, so I'm guessing if he's talking hunting. I'm going to kind of look at a map and I'm going to try and figure out where to go. And I'm going to try and go at it stealthy and look for the trails coming in and out of there and uh, try to hunt where they come in and out. Um, preferably if I'm hunting and I pre-scouted it, but that ain't always the case when we go on road trips and stuff or new areas or we stumble into something. Um, then I'm looking at a map. I'm trying to figure out where they're betting. And I'm trying to zoom in and see trails. If I see an island, I think they're on the island. I might make a move for that. But I might just circle the whole thing first and see what's coming in and out of there trail-wise. And I might try a, one of those trails first and maybe the next day move in for the island. But if I'm getting too close, I'll go in for the gusto right away. There you go. All right. Photo Bob asked. He, says, uh, he has a buck bedding area on a grown-up island. It's surrounded by doe bedding. It's almost impossible to set up without blowing up the doe bedding. Should I worry about that and back off or go in for it? I mean, can you back off to the point where the where you're still close? If so, I'd I would probably be back enough that uh, you're not blowing all the does out of there, but you can still maybe let some of them pass and the buck come by. Um, if not. I mean, it doesn't hurt you to blow him out of there and give it a shot because otherwise he's just going to stay there forever. I I know I personally have kicked plenty of deer right through the bedding area going in to set up, and two hours later, the buck gets yeah. up and walks right past me. So um, I've also had the buck get up and run with him out of there. So it's not something you want to do, spook him, but it's not necessarily the end of the world either. Right, right. Um, let's see here. Brett asked, um, how do you feel about the 10 to two play? So going into staying at 10 and leaving at two. Yeah, I'm not too interested in that. I'm usually hunting them at the yeah. bedding. So when I hunt those hours and when I get noon action and midday action, which I've, I've seen a lot, you know, especially in rut, you see a lot of that for me, it's rarely been big bucks. 
when it is big bucks, it's usually when I'm in the Northwoods for some reasons, but um, any place where there's any kind of pressure, it just seems like uh, it's your middle-aged deer, like the two and three-year-olds that are doing all that midday cruising. It's not that I wouldn't shoot one of those, but the majority of the mature yeah. bucks I get, I'm shooting at the edge of darkness right at their bedding whether it's morning or evening it's at the edge of the darkness and it's at their bedding, even in rut. I mean, I'm not getting them to just run around crazy. It's not to say they don't do that sometimes, but that's one once or twice a year. You got to hit the day, right. Be in the right spot or whatever. And I'm trying to target certain individual animals. Yeah. So, um, just, I mean, 10 to two might be okay for a guy trying to get lucky. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Alan asked if we would ever do a, Public land challenge again. Oh, I'm up for one. How about you? Yep. We for yeah. sure would. The offer comes through, we'll, we'll go. For sure. And we do our own um, challenges too. So we'll be uh, doing a yeah. challenge at some point and inviting some group with us. Yep. Yeah, me and Dan were already talking about that a couple weeks ago, about what we we're going to do and all that. So, uh, Global or Brad Crook, our buddy, he he uh, he does all day sits and he does, dude. That guy is the most patient person in a tree stand I've ever ever met. Um, you know, I get a lot of heat for not doing all day sits on like road trips, like, yeah. like when we did public land challenges. Yeah. And it's like you realize we're going to some place we've never been before, and they surprise us on where we're going, and and yeah. uh, we haven't scouted there. So you're gonna go sit in a tree and not scout at all. You're just going to climb the first tree you see and never walk around. So you got to have some scout time. Yeah. But I will say this. I mean, if you got nothing else going and you know where you want to sit, I mean, it ain't hurting you to sit in that tree all day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's what, well, Brad, he, he's already, he's got a lot, he scouts a lot down here. So it's not like he's going in blind anywhere, but. You, you know, I, I will say something on that though. Um, I have learned that when I get in there too early in some spots where I don't have to be too early. Mm-hmm. That every now and then you get a crazy wind gust, especially if it's a little hilly or you're in a draw or something. And it just takes one gust blowing the wrong way to blow into that bedding area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where when you get down towards the evening, you start getting them winds that are real consistent going one way and getting calmer and calmer on mm -hmm. most days. So I, you know, sometimes that wind can screw you on those uh, middays. Yeah, something to think about for sure. And uh, Brad, thanks for joining the membership, man. I appreciate it. All right, Matt. I think Matt was at uh, one of your workshops this year, Dan. Um, hmm. He says, when scouting summertime and all the green is at its peak, do you find scouting a little more insightful, knowing exactly how the cover will look like opening day, or is that relevant? That can help. It can help. I was just out uh, over the weekend. I was out quite a bit. And... Uh, Man, it was it was amazing how how thick so many areas are right now that I walk through in winter time, and it's like, oof. You know, I don't have a shot over here. I don't yeah. have a shot over there. Kind of looking at that kind of stuff, and it was like, right. hmm. so yeah, it helps. It helps, but yeah. uh, I think the trained eye can see some of that stuff. Um, but I think at first mm -hmm. you can't. You know, but if you've done it a few years, you can start to envision where the cover is going to be. Yep, for sure. All right. Let's see here. Can you 
Can you hear me, Dan? Yep. Okay. Uh, Greg Outdoors asked, have you ever had a coughing or sneezing attack on Stan? It's time to leave or sit tight? That's a good question. <laughs> we never had that one asked. I usually have farting attacks. I mean, I eat beans. Oh, I knew something. You're smirking. <laughs> I knew I should have known something was coming. No, I was actually, I was thinking about a hunt with uh, James, but uh, I, uh, James had uh, the rat slayer um, one yeah. hunting, and he drew a bear permit, and uh, we went up by Mike Foss in northern Wisconsin, and uh, Mike put us in a really good spot on a um, private apple orchard where the guy was having problems with bears and one really oh, big, nice. big, aggressive bear. And uh, we went in there and uh, Jamie got sick just before we were going to go up there, real sick. But your tag is only good once, you know, and it took like seven years to get the tag. And then it's like, uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to ruin the hunt. And he's coughing all the time and he can't stop. And we try to hold it in, it would just blow out his nose and ears. And yeah, and it's like, you know what, James, let's just go enjoy the hunt. And it either works yeah. or it don't. And if you spook them, you spook them. And we went. But normally, I guess I probably wouldn't go out if I was coughing really bad and I was going to scare the deer. But if it happened while I was on the stand, I mean, what are you going to do? You already burned a spot. Might as well try your best not to cough. And yeah and bear with it i mean yeah. if it was really loud or whatever maybe i'd give up but yeah i reminds me of a story i was a little kid it was before i was even hunting but my cousin had built this the cousin my cousin that was on the show a while back adam he uh he had this in the woods that he hunted they had a big uh like a water tank an old water tank that was abandoned or something you know and he had built a little platform up on that water tank and it was obviously the water tank was empty and it was, it's a big water tank. It was like skinny and tall. It was probably 10 feet tall. And, uh, he would take me up there and we'd deer hunt. And I, I, uh, the only thing I can remember about those hunts was when you farted, the water tank would like rattle and make a big loud noise. And I would, I would like try to fart and like getting mad, you know, and it, cause it was funny cause it'd make it real loud. And I, I mean, I was little, I was probably, you know, five or six or something like that. And, so that's that's the only thing I remember about those hunts was uh, uh, farting and making the rattle the water tank rattle and he'd get mad at me or he'd he'd, he'd think it was funny you know I'm sure whenever I was you know five or six he wasn't really expecting to kill anything he just was taking me out because of the kindness of his heart but anyway uh, layman survival asked where he can buy the Big Woods DVD online uh, at thehuntingbeast.com uh, uh, click on the store and click on DVDs so thehuntingbeast.com mm -hmm. click on the store it's a it's a uh, online forum that I own mm -hmm. you click on the store and then click on the DVDs and it's in there yep Red ask if we're making um, a chat challenge this year. We could do something like that. We could do like a, I mean, I, me and Dan wouldn't be involved, but we could keep track. I keep track of it where we'll just see who kills the biggest deer in the chat or something. Maybe, maybe we can have like an entry or something where you got to put your name in a hat. Um, at the end. Yeah. And we can give something away. Yeah. Before deer season. 
that might be fun just a friendly competition inside the chat um let's see here um okay Aaron asked he's in the upper Midwest he says when do you think bucks shift from food focus to dough focus betting and when does that shift generally happen uh I would say it's kind of a gradual shift and I think it's uh you know it's region dependent but like uh, around where I'm at in Wisconsin, I think that starts happening probably the um, second to third week of October. But I think uh, um, if you got down by like um, Josh here, I bet you it would be like two weeks later than that, like probably start of November, the first week of November or something like that. They'd start shifting that way. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, you're. I mean, I that's think, pretty I accurate. Think it's, no matter where you're, depending on where you're at, um, yeah. even different regions of a state, it shifts. That's why I always laugh at like those uh, rut guides and stuff. The rut is the same time every year. Mm -hmm. the, the rut is completely based off of uh, the amount of uh, uh, daylight that's proven through scientific fact. Um, they actually, now that they've figured it out. At, doe, at uh, deer farms, they turn the lights on and off in intervals with timing to trigger does to go into heat. And that's how they make doe and heat scent like four times a year before you even, before rut comes along, is they do it by triggering mm -hmm. these lights to make them go into heat. So the rut is at the same time every year. So the, the, the beds transfer at the same time every year too, but it's regional. I don't know why they trigger at different amounts of lights in different areas, um, different timing, but they do. Um, so maybe it's genetics. I, I have no idea, but I think it is kind of genetics because uh, down south, they've taken deer from the north and they've gotten two ruts, you, you know, in some of these places mm -hmm. where they got transplant deer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard question to answer because even, I mean, in your particular hunting area, there may be a doe that comes in heat on October 12th, you know, or 12th or 15th. Mm -hmm. This, my internet's been screwing up the whole freaking time we've been on tonight. Uh, yeah, you've been locking if, up over here and there. Uh, sorry, everybody. Um, I thought I was going to have to tell stories about cats or something. <laughs> That's Dan's like default if something goes haywire. Um, Okay, onward. We'll do a couple more, and then we'll get off here before I lose my uh, internet again. I don't know. This piece of crap. T-Mobile internet used to be good, and it's starting to fade away, but I'll figure it out. All right. Um, Matt had a question for us. He said, if you could hunt anything other than deer or bear, what would it be? Moose. Moose. Without hesitation. Moose is a good one. Yep. I think if, if you had to, if I could choose one, I'd like to hunt a moose too, uh, just because they're not quite as, uh, you know, easy to go hunt as mule deer or elk. But also, I'd like to hunt a mountain goat, mountain lion. I'd like to do mountain lion. Yeah, that'd be cool. But it's not up there on my top list. I don't think a uh, no, mountain goat would be. Yeah, mountain goat would be mountain one I'd like to go after as well. It's like hunting the neighbor's kitten cat. Yeah, mountain goat. Let's see here. 
turn the quality of my camera down and see if that helps any. All right, let's do another one here. Zach asks, how many cameras did we run during the summer? I think Josh runs a lot more than I do. Um, I haven't really ran yeah. many, many at all. Um, I used to yeah. when I was younger. I probably run. But I'm planning on running more now. Um, I am getting a lot of them prepped yeah. up and ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more of them out this year. Um, but generally, I've been old school, kind of old school scouting. But the cameras certainly help yeah. for those that want to use that technology. And, and Josh uses them quite a bit. In the summertime, I still run quite a few. I have, uh, I don't know how many out I have right now. I probably have like a dozen out right now. And then... You know, I'd, I'll add a few more. I don't have any cell cameras out right now at all. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to get a booster. You're completely right, Brett. Maybe, I can maybe. say that when I was down by you, um, every place I went and scouted, when I'd tell you where I was at, you'd be like, oh, I got a camera there. Go check yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I run a bunch. I run a bunch of regular card cameras and go pick them up at the end of season. But uh, I don't. I don't know. I probably have. Maybe I have more than that out now. But um, quite a few. But I also have a lot of big land that's hard to access. You know, so I'll. I always just throw a camera if I've walked three miles somewhere and um, don't plan on getting back to it. You know, so I think we answered most of the questions tonight you ready to hop off here dan sure before i uh, lose everybody again <laughs> everybody thanks for hopping on tonight um and we'll see you guys thursday night see ya